You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 152 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and this week we have a very, very exciting episode for you folks this week. We have the current star of the North American tour of Moulin Rouge in John Cardoza coming on the podcast this week. Very exciting stuff. We had a wonderful conversation. Uh, We talked about his journey through the industry. Um, We talk about stories of how relatable they are to actors and performers of any type of experience, whether you're just starting out or you have done multiple Broadway shows. You know, it's really, really great conversations today that he shares with us and he gives us some really special insight that we've never gotten really here uh, about tour life on the podcast, um, you know, as he's currently in the middle of it. And uh, he runs us through all of that stuff. And it's so cool. So if you don't know, John Cardoza, like I mentioned, is currently on the national tour of Moulin Rouge. He's playing Christian, the lead role. And he's also been in Jagged Little Pill. Uh, He was seen in uh, The Karate Kid and The Notebook in their out-of-town pre-Broadway tryouts. Um, So very exciting stuff. And I mean, I would say he's a name that we all need to look out for in the foreseeable future um, because he is literally, it seems like he's on every press release that comes out lately. Um, He's just such a talent and I'm just thrilled to get him on the podcast today and uh, get to know a little bit his journey and all the things. So before we get over to that, though, and before we listen to the interview and all the things, uh, we got to talk about some Broadway news, shall we? So there's a lot been going on this week and a lot going on, I say, because I've seen a lot of shows this week. So very exciting stuff about that. But before I say anything, I want to shout out and extend a happy opening night to New York, New York, the sign in Sydney Burstein's window and good night, Oscar. Oh, and uh, Prima Fashi uh, also had a uh, opening night. So lots of openings happening this week, four days in, four openings. And you know what? That wraps up the 2022-23 season. Unfortunately, with all those opening nights, I wasn't get able to get on any of the carpets this week. Very upset about that. Um, but you know, you win some, you lose some. And uh, you know, Hopefully we'll be back and hopefully you all are enjoying the red carpet content that we are getting. So uh, they're always fun and all the support just kind of depends on uh, if I go to more. Uh, So definitely go check out those YouTube videos and stuff like that because it's very, very helpful for these, um, you know, teams to see whose content is working and, uh, you know, utilizing the best possible outlets that they can get to, to cover that opening night. It's a big night for the show. So, um, definitely go check those out. We have Camelot that was most recent, which I just saw this weekend. So I'll get into that now. Camelot was the best show I've seen this week. I saw three shows. I saw Camelot play that goes wrong for like the 11th time and New York, New York. Camelot was fantastic. Camelot is Broadway. Camelot is the Theater. Camelot is everything that defines what theater is. And it was brilliant. And of course, it was done by Bartlett Chur. Of course, it was over at Lincoln Center. Everyone needs to go see this show. Philippa Sue puts on a masterclass performance. Taylor Trench, Take About Family Member, hilarious icon. We love him. Well, I guess they're all Take About Family Members now, but, uh, you know, everyone is just so great. Jordan Donica and Andrew Burnap. They're ridiculous as Arthur and Lancelot. I mean, come on. They're, they, their performances are, are just absurd. And it really focuses on the story between the love triangle, you know, type of thing. And then, of course, you have Taylor Trench, who plays King Arthur's son, who really comes in and steals Act 2. And uh, it's just brilliant what, what they do with the show. And it's this reimagined version. But uh, I don't understand what the big deal is. If you saw the reviews, they... they didn't get the greatest reviews and I actually thought it was brilliant and I didn't feel like it needed the magic or whatever it is that they really took out that uh, 
reviewers were not happy about. But I thought all of it was fantastic and the changes, I couldn't see it any other way. So uh, this was brilliant. So congrats to everyone involved there. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a very long run at the Lincoln Center. So um, I just fell in love with the show. Uh, The Play That Goes Wrong is hilarious as always. I don't really need to stay on this for too long. I'm excited to say that I did get to see Take a Bow family member recently, uh, Trevor Braun, who is currently in the play that goes wrong. And, uh, you know, had a great time, great night of laughs and great night of uh, theater of a, you know, real theater of what like really happens. This is just audiences can see that stuff is actually going wrong, but this is just the daily life of a performer uh, of live theater. Uh, And it's just, it's such a classic and love it. And I'm actually hopefully going to go see Peter Pan goes wrong with Neil Patrick Harris this weekend. So uh, very excited for that as well. New York, New York. I saw New York, New York. You know what? I liked it. I didn't love the show. I, I don't know if I had too high expectations or not, but um, I thought the music was great and I thought the set was great. I thought Anna Uzeli was fantastic. She was phenomenal. Colton Ryan did a great job as well. Um, the cast, the cast is amazing. I mean, it's really just like the story just really isn't there for me. I thought the set was beautiful and the moments that it had, like it did have moments and then it had moments where it was just like, hmm, this is interesting. And like, hmm, why didn't they cut this song? Honestly, I saw it literally last night, which is the day before their opening night, which is today, Wednesday, April 26th. But yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the day that this episode comes out. And honestly, I feel like you could have used another week or two of previews and refining and and fine tuning. I thought it was really cool, though. One thing I'll mention, Colton Ryan, like literally stopped the show in a a few scenes, actually, because he was able to play like seven instruments at like in the same song it was wild i mean not obviously not all at once but he was just playing everything he picked up it was it was quite quite special and all of them do it uh there's violinist and a trumpist and all the things cellist and it's quite you know special what they do and how they they do that number it's it's really really cool um and then they have this wonderful tap dancing number in act one so like there are some really really good pieces there and it, it was a fun show but um you know, if you're looking for a, a show f- for a, a fulfilling story and, and to go on this special journey and all that, you know, this I don't feel is the one for that. But I, I needless to say, I did like the show. Um, I would go see it again. I don't know. I just felt like there were there was so much more that they could have done with it, and there was so much more potential that you know a week or two really would have helped that and really would have solidified it for like one of the best new shows of the season but i don't see it winning like the tony award for best new show and and that's not a knock on it i'm not trying to be rude or anything but just my thoughts um there you go um I, i've learned to be a little bit more um you know straight on here so um we're we're figuring that out. Anyway, sorry, moving on. Um, Leah Michelle and Miles Frost are announcing the nominees for the Tony Awards next Tuesday, May 2nd, which is very exciting. Uh, so the next time I talk to you guys, actually, we're going to know who is nominated this season and what shows are nominated and what performers and all things, which is very exciting. And um, I, you know, I love this time of year with the Tony Awards and all the things. So uh, this is going to be a really special thing. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think Leah Michelle and Miles Frost announcing the nominees is going to be really cool. They've kind of made it a little bit more of a show recently. So I'm, I'm liking that for, for Broadway. It's a good little touch. And um, yeah, I think uh, Miles Frost, I mean, my king, I, I can't wait. He just needs to get back on Broadway. I mean, he's been off Broadway for maybe two weeks and I'm just like, tell me what your next show is, please. Um, <laughs> anyways, love, the, love that. And uh, we can't wait to see what uh, is nominated for this year. And all these shows obviously work so hard and all of them deserve it, but uh, we'll see which ones are getting it. And then of course we'll do a little Tony prediction thing uh, closer to the Tony Awards. So, uh, yeah. 
That's all the news I have for you folks this week. It was really just Leah, Michelle, and Miles Frost and take you on my journey of my theater-going experience this week, um, which you may have listened to and you may not have enjoyed it. So uh, that's okay. And you can just move right along to the interview that we are about to share right now with John Cardozo, my new best friend. I'm obsessed with him. New fan of his. And uh, he he's so sweet. And I, I love talking to him and, and getting to hear all about his career and his journey and everything that he's got to. He did this on a Wednesday right before a show. So shout out to you, John, uh, obviously, who is literally going from a podcast to a show. Did not need to do that, but so sweet. And uh, just can't thank you enough for your time. And hopefully you all enjoy it. So without further ado, shout out to all you Atlanta people who uh, where he is now. And he, he says that uh, he really enjoys uh, staying in Atlanta with the run of the show. So shout out you guys and shout out for you for being a great audience. And go check him out for the rest of his run in Atlanta. So without further ado... John Cardoza, curtain up. All right, this week's guest is another triple threat. Uh, you could say he's going to be one of Broadway's leading men for quite some time. Uh, you may have seen him in Jagged Little Pill, Karate Kid, The Notebook, or currently as he travels the States as Christian in Moulin Rouge. So everyone, welcome to Take a Bow, John Cardoza. Did oh I say that right? That was such a generous introduction. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Yes, that uh, is John Cardoza. That's it. Great. Oh my God. No, it's fantastic. I see you in all of like the every press release that comes out now. It's like John Cardoza is starring as uh, Daniel LaRusso. It's like great. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> So exciting, and I'm sure it's such a whirlwind the past couple of years have oh been for you. Um, yeah. Well, well, let's get into it. Let's start at the beginning, though. Um, talk to me about like how we got here. Like, what? Why? Why are we performing? What got you interested in in you know performing and telling stories and all that stuff? Um, I mean, I. I have been singing as long as I can remember, uh, not really like not taking lessons or anything formal, but I just, I just loved to sing around the house as a kid. Um, I loved listening to music. My parents had me take piano lessons. So I sort of like, you know, discovered a little bit of an aptitude for music there. Um, sadly, I have not maintained those skills as well as I wish I could. I was a busy man. Um, however, uh, I did, um, I ended up becoming a, a figure skater for a very long time, a competitive oh. figure skater. And so I found uh, sort of like a passion for performing by way of that. No. Um, and also like the sort of body awareness is very similar to that of a dancer's sort uh-huh. of body awareness. And so those things kind of translated really well. Um, and when I was in middle school, I had been like singing in like school, like, chorus concerts and things like that but um i started doing i I started doing like the school shows like the drama club and whatnot uh, when i was in middle school and uh our music teacher's daughter was our choreographer and her friend at the time was going to the boston conservatory for um composition he's a composer and uh he came to see one of our shows and we were talking afterwards and i at the time had no idea that you could really do this at an academic way and sort of in pursuit of like a career. Uh, And he was the one who was sort of like, Hey, like you should really think about doing this. Like you're in high school now and you can like, like come visit me at the school and I'll show you around. And I, I did that. And he brought me to like a recital. There was a voice recital happening that day. And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Uh, and there was just, I just remember walking around the campus and there was just like music coming out of like every window, every doorway, every corridor. It was amazing. And, um, and the arts weren't really something that were like prioritized in my school district. Um, It was definitely a very athletic heavy, um, area. And so that was sort of my first time being in an environment that was really all about, the arts, um, which is amazing. And I was like, okay, so this is, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, and so my high school career sort of became about trying to figure out how to make that happen. Um, and I got lucky and I ended up getting into the conservatory when I was a senior in high school and that's where I went to school. 
Um, and, and after four years there, graduated and, 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 you know, started working and here we are. <laughs> this is wild. Where are you from? Where, where, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, about an hour south of Boston in Taunton, oh, okay. Massachusetts. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this, cause it was like, it's, it's sounding a lot like how I grew up because I started <laughs> like ice hockey and all the things. And like, if you didn't play sports, you were a loser, you know, like you were. Yeah. And you know, I was like, you know, I, I was, I was athletic, but I was a figure skater. It's not exactly like right. the cool thing to be doing <laughs> as a high school boy. Right. Um, but if no, you're listening to this and you are a figure skater, pop keep up. It up. Yeah. Keep it up. <laughs> like John Cardoza and Sierra Bogus, you know? Like, <laughs> I see at the rink sometimes. I've yet to say hello to her, but I used to teach when I first moved to the city, one of my first like survival jobs was teaching skating lessons in Long Island City. Uh there's oh a rink God. over there and I remember seeing her several times and I was like, Oh my god, just it's someday i should say hi i never did oh my god <laughs> i go there all the time that's hilarious <laughs> city ice pavilion is that that's, that's the one i used to teach there <laughs> that's sick oh my god this is craziness i love it i love everything <laughs> happening and uh wow okay so it, it was like it, it's i mean it's pretty new this whole like theater world you know that you, you kind of got really serious like going to college uh, i was um, a Bloomer for sure. Yeah, which is wild and crazy to see, you know, the success in short amount of time. It just goes to to speak on how talented you are. It's just, it's oh, incredible. Thank you. Yeah. I will I will never forget it was like my first day of school at the conservatory and we I had this like uh, we had like a, a studio, a voice studio wide like lesson where every mm-hmm. now and then like our voice studio would get together with our voice teacher and we would like sing songs in front of each other sort of like masterclass style and give feedback and whatnot and i got up to do because it was my turn and i was talking to my my new voice teacher was i I would never had a voice lesson before i'd never had a voice lesson with him before so i was like (laughs) he was like so what's your cut and i was like this is so freaky my what (laughs) and he was what what are you like what section of the song are you gonna sing and i was like oh i don't know i thought i was gonna sing this song and he was like okay, great. He was like, well, where do you, like, what do you want to do with this and this and this? And I was like, uh, and he just looked at me and said, how did you get here? Right. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's hilarious. Good for you though. You know, so keeping your chin up, you know, chin up. And that voice teacher, Dr. Thomas Gregg, him, I will give a shout out to because I would not be able to sing if it wasn't for him. He oh taught me everything that I know. Hilarious. About all of this. He's incredible. He's I retired now, unfortunately, but I, he was this is wild t greg <laughs> yeah i love that shout out to you um yeah you know that that's literally what happened in my first ever professional audition for the tour of mary poppins and i like came in and i started singing this whole song and they were like do you think you can do it again just like condense it and i was like <laughs> why would i do that like don't you right you've never heard about that before I was really, know, you know i walked in in like black sweatpants a spider-man t-shirt you know like i was <laughs> such a dork and like it's hilarious and, and you know we ended up booking so it was fine like it worked out <laughs> and uh it's just crazy you know the things that happen and the things that are in this industry that nobody talks about you know what is that cut what is there's so much to learn even your voice like i never actually had voice lessons until my voice changed and now i'm learning that like oh my voice is like a muscle like you go to the gym and you work out and it's like you know the same thing for your voice and it has all these elements and all these layers and there's resonance and it's like nobody tells you that like how am i supposed to know this stuff i used to say that my parents would always be like why do you want to take voice lessons you know how to sing and i was like no i can sing that doesn't mean that i know how to exactly huge difference um right but you know yeah and and i feel like it was like behind the ball you know because like you go into these rooms with all these wonderful people and they're just like, oh, how how did you not know that? Like, no one told you that. And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> no. Um, but fascinating stuff, and I'm sure that you've you've had the same th- things. Uh, but uh, <laughs> crazy, I love that whole journey for you. And then here you go, and you make your Broadway debut in Jagged Little Pill, um, which is so yeah. fun. And you started at ART, so you're mm-hmm. part of this developmental. So not only are you like performing on Broadway, but you're like opening a whole production on Broadway, which is like 
madness. Um, yeah. So talk to me about about that and, and kind of going from ART and well, let's talk about ART first, I guess, and and talk mm-hmm. to me about like, you know, what was how does that whole thing work? You know, obviously there's hope for Broadway, but you're kind of mounting the stage for ART. What was that process kind of like for you? So Jagged was not my first sort of like out of town, like Broadway hopeful show. Um, My first job out of college was a show called October Sky that did an out of town at the Old Globe. Uh, It's based on the 90s film with Jake Gyllenhaal and, um, you know, the Rocket Boys. And uh, and so being just out of college and having this this job where it was like, oh, my gosh, like it's going to go to Broadway and it has these commercial producers. And I was like. Uh, I, I was like amazed by the cast. I was understudying Kyle Seelig. Shout out to Kyle Seelig. Oh, period. And uh, <laughs> and like I was like, wow, all these like I was like, yeah, of course this is gonna go. This is great. Um, but of course, Broadway is a business and an industry, and there are so many factors and variables that go into you know which shows make yeah. it to a Broadway stage. There's a lot of real estate involved, and and it's all it's a lot of timing and luck, and so having worked on that and then done a subsequent lab in New York of that show. Um, I was like, Oh my gosh, like we're doing it. We're on the ride. And of course things sort of like stopped dead in its tracks as I'm sure Mm. we have yet to see that show on Broadway. And so when, uh, and so that was sort of a crash course for me in sort of like setting expectations Mm. and, and appreciating the time that you have with the show wherever you are. And yeah. so when I got Jagged Little Pill, of course, I took a look at the team and thought to myself, this has to go somewhere. I mean, it's it's Alanis Morissette and Diane Paulus and Tom Kitt yeah. and C.D. Larbrish-Tragawi and all these like incredible people. I was like, I mean, people would be so <laughs> like, how could how could we pass that on that? So, of course, there was that that aspect of it. Um, there's also there's no promise of continuing with the show. So having my experience from working on October sky and then coming into this and knowing that again, like all these variables at play, I was sort of like, okay, I'm just going to appreciate my time in Boston, yeah. which was really, really fun for me. Cause I'd never performed so close to home outside of college. And so, and it had been a few years out of college at that point. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be so much fun. I understudied a role that I got to go on for in Boston, which was really, really fun. Um, and and yeah, that was just about about enjoying the process. And it was intense and it was um, so, so educational. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, there's that show ended up being – pandemic included like almost yeah. five years of my life. So I, it's impossible to, to summarize the, sure. the life lessons that are just jam packed in there. But I met right. a lot of really, really wonderful people. Um, uh, we closed in July of, I think 20 would have been 2018. Or, yeah, that would have been July of 2018. And it was about six, five or six months before I heard about the transfer and that I was moving with it. And we did another lab, um, subsequently in New York. And then uh, there was about seven more months before we actually transferred to Broadway. So there was a lot of time to be filled. <laughs> yeah, and you were with um, it that whole time, right? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, what was it like to, you know, so I was in Pippin and Finding Everyone with Diane and, you yeah. know, she, her directing is just like, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for her. I love her. Um, yeah, she, she's been on the show and, uh, we talk about like the character development and just like everything that she does with her cast. It's just, it's pretty amazing. So like, talk to me about like with among, uh, you know, the, the rest of the incredible creative team and, you know, you have Derek Klena and Catherine Gallagher and like all these wonderful people, (laughs) you know, veterans leading the way. Um, what was it like just to be in a room and kind of learn from them kind of fresh out of college? I mean, I know you did, you know, October sky, but, uh, I don't know. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, I, it's so interesting when you're, when you're in college and fresh out of college, this sort of idea of, like you want to just jump right into it. And you see these stories about people who are sort of like plucked from the masses and they're all of a sudden like leading these Broadway shows and it's amazing. But um, when I look back on like who I was in college and the artist that I was in college um, and where I am now, 
I just can't imagine myself at that stage leading a show. Um, I think there's so much more to being right for a job than being right for a role. You know, I think that being right for the role is just one part of it. There's a whole job that, that is around that, that requires a lot of education. And that's not really something that they teach you in school. That's not really something that you can learn other than by being in a room and watching somebody with experience do those things and set the tone for a company. And I think that, I mean, Elizabeth Stanley and Sean Krill and Derek Klenna and Catherine Gallagher, like you said, veterans, like watching them and learning from them, not only um, as an actor, but as a professional and as a company member, I think is also really valuable. And they just set a really, really lovely tone. Um, so much of the time. And, uh, yeah, I, I think like moving forward from that, like after a really long time of seeing that and not only them, but like, again, like I got to understudy, like my first job at a college was understudying Kyle Kyle Selig, who is such a lovely, lovely person to be around. And again, was sort of our, our leading man in the company and set the tone for our company in a really warm and welcoming way. Uh, and so from these people, I learned how to be the right person for the job aside role aside, you know, like if I'm right for the role, awesome. I'm going to go in for it. I also want to make sure that I'm right for the job and for the company and for um, all of the things that come along with leading a show. Um, Absolutely. And now I feel very ready to do that and I'm still learning and I'm still figuring it out, but, um, but I feel more ready than I ever was. And yeah, I mean, like I said, like I look back on who I was in college and I, of course, was thinking to myself, why am I not the person being plucked from the masses? I think we've all had this moment at least once where we just see these stories and we're like, ah, that would be so awesome. Yes. And I'm like, I, I just am so grateful that that wasn't my journey because now yeah. I feel so ready to do these jobs and to be consistent and sustainable and yeah. um, and really enjoy myself and, and do the best work that I can do. Yeah. Um, I think um, something that like was interesting, like the one of the first things that I feel like I learned coming into this industry or whatever. Um, I mean, granted, I was 11 years old, so I thought it was a playground, but it was really <laughs> like learning, you know, when it was time to play and when it wasn't, and especially with you, when you're in a room with like Derek and Catherine, just like the biggest goofballs in the world, <laughs> um, and, and so like kind of finding that balance and watching them and being like oh you know like there are moments that like it's okay to be like human beings and people and like complain or you know have a blast and you're slap happy and and play and and do whatever and then there's time to you know work and focus and like do your job because it is a job and it's like easy to forget because we're just having so much fun um and i'm sure yeah and I mean, and I want to, because like, I mean, for some people, the, the pluck from the masses story, that is their story. And they have that sort of, they're sort of thrust into this crash course in, in becoming, in, in becoming a working professional. And some people can do that and have done that and done it really well. And this is what I say is not to take away from them. It's to just totally. emphasize that there is so much more to leading a show than being right for the part. Um, and so even those people who are plucked from the masses, oh my gosh, I mean, the transformation that they have to go to go through in such a short amount of time is amazing and remarkable. And so when we see that happen, know that the work that they're doing off stage is just as intense as the work that they're doing on stage and they're doing it in real time. So like, for sure. Like, I'll vote to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we are Broadway fans, you know. We are fans of everyone who works because it's a grind and it's so much work. And it's like <laughs> we, you know, we, we respect that, we notice that, we see that, and um, you know, we all are supporting each other. It's interesting because there's this like stigma of like competition, and it's like no, like we are all one big happy family rooting for each other. You know, everything happens for a reason. They're picked for this job because they're right. Like you know, something yeah. else. There's a million things that happen in a year's worth of time in this industry. So something may be right and something may be right and it's not your time yet, you know? Like some like it's it's crazy how this industry works and it's so hard to like learn that because it's so like cliche to say and it's so unfortunate that you don't have control over it. But you know, like that's the reality of like what we signed up for. 
Oh, know? yeah. And I mean, I, if there are like folks going through college who happen to listen to this, if there's one, I mean, I just get really used to cheering for your mm-hmm. friends and the people around you and knowing and trusting your own talent and abilities and knowing that your time will come. And when that time comes, you're going to be so glad that you chose kindness the whole way. Yes. But, you know, so get used to cheering for the people around you because those people will cheer for you when your time comes. Uh, that's honestly perfect. Um, <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I, I got to ask before, uh, I mean, we can continue talking about Jaggy because I, I'm obsessed with Jaggy Little Pill. I love <laughs> the The message of like Jagged was like, it was, it was something that touched me at a very, you know, important time you know for for everyone i think um just what was going on in the world and you know that's why we love theater and everything but i've got to ask um before you like came into jagged were you an alanis fan or or did you learn it there i was like alanis adjacent fan i so because here's here this was my thing with alanis is that i knew so much more of her song catalog than i thought i did when i got the score Yes. I was like, oh my gosh, she wrote this. She did this. She did like, there were so many songs that I was like, I like, there were songs that I already knew that I was like, how do I already know this? <laughs> you know? Sure. So there I was. And then also like, I mean, my sister was a huge Alanis fan. She was actually, when I told my sister that I was like going in for it, she was like, I ask you for nothing. Please get this job. <laughs> so she was a huge Alanis fan. And, um, so I was sort of like Alanis adjacent. Like I right. knew her music by way of my sister and the radio. And of course, because when her music was coming out, I was a kid. And right. a lot of it was sort of like, I always say that her music is is like art in its purest form because it's so personal and it like grows with you. Like hearing it as a child, I heard this one thing. Hearing it again in high school, you, every time it comes back to you, whether it's high school, college, young adult life, adult life it's like it speaks to like a deeper deeper layer of the human experience every time it comes back to you so it grows with you and it's amazing to that that she was able to create something that is so expansive yeah um so i was i was a fan i didn't know i was a fan (laughs) (laughs) And, and i think for like a lot of people you know like Everyone would like, for me at least, I don't want to speak for a lot of people, um, but you know, when I saw the show, I like, that was like the first time I like understood what those songs like actually meant, you know, like, cause like yeah. you, I was like an Alanis fan adjacent, you know, because of my family and the radio and whatever. But like, and I loved the tunes, like they're, yeah. they're they stick in your head, you know, like, yeah ironic you can sing it 24 times a day and not even realize like what you're saying it's like one of those songs where it's just so melodically pleasant and unforgettable and then seeing the show it's like oh my god like there is so much to every single three minutes uh that she wrote you know in her also i mean the music when you listen to it for the first time like on the album proper yeah it's so wordy and her syntax is really unique and iconic like you know when you're listening to alanis and um and so like i feel like there's a lot of things that can be missed when you have when you have young ears that have never heard this style for the first time so putting it out of the context of this album and putting it on stage as it relates to these characters you sort of just pick out words that you don't necessarily listen to on a first pass of the album yeah that's true you know absolutely um and just the way that uh you know it all came together and her beautiful repertoire uh it was just it, i loved that show so much you guys did a fantastic job on it um so yeah of course <laughs> and, and it was been so fun to like that to be your broadway debut you know you can have it was that a very fun show to repertoire. do it was it was it was it was very fun and a lot of work and yeah. um and i i look back on that time very fondly and I'm grateful for the person that I am now. <laughs> Period. Um, that's on growth. Um, <laughs> so, um, let's talk about Moulin Rouge. So this sure. is literally happening as we speak. You're in a hotel room. You're traveling the world. What the heck is that? What, oh, like, how is your life? How is that treating you? Is this your first tour? 
this is my first tour. And it oh really God. like came out of nowhere. The, really? the torrent was not really on my radar. Um, I had just finished because I, I, I was sort of ready to move back to New York because like I'd been out of town all of last year. I had two jobs that just so happened to line up back to back spanning the year. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving New York and it's, it's, that's good. But I also like, I'd been having a really tough time in New York personally. And so I was like really ready to step away from the city for a while. And so to oh. be able to step away from the city and continue to work at a capacity that I wanted to be working at was a real gift. So that whole year was amazing. Um, and so those two jobs came to an end and I was like sort of getting ready to go back to New York and I was feeling really anxious about it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know like what the next step is, but I don't know that I'm really ready to go back to New York. Um, I got a, a self tape request for like potential future replacements for Moulin Rouge, like across all companies. And that's one of those things that, um, I just sort of assume the tape's going to go into the void, you know, yeah. it's a, like the self tape void, the thing where lost things go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, you know, I was like, I, why not? I told, uh, you know, I talked to my manager about it and she was like, you know, do it, do it if you want. But you know, these things, like I'm sure at some point they'll actually be looking and, and, and this won't yeah. be the last time that we hear from them. And I was like, no, 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 I want to, this will give me something to work on. And I really love singing these songs. So right. I did the self tape and, uh, a couple weeks later, actually like just prior to that, somebody who was on the tour, David Harris, who is now the Duke in the Broadway company, we had done a show together years ago and he messaged me on Instagram and was like, have you ever gone in for this? And I was like, no, are they looking? And he was like, no, but can I put your name in? And I was like, sure, go for it. So a couple yeah. weeks later, I, I got um, a, like an in-person call back and I was like, oh, great. Whoa. For yeah. what? And, like, it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and they're like, and I was like, for, for where? They're like, for the tour. And I was like, again, I was like, I, I don't know if I want to be out of town again, but I still wasn't really feeling ready to go back to New York. So I was like, maybe this is, maybe this is the right time. I don't know. So I was like, well, we'll keep, we'll keep pursuing it and see how we feel. Um, I did. I think it was like two callbacks for that. Um, and then there was a lot of discussion around because I'm, I was attached to another project at the time and we weren't really sure what the timeline was on that and what my availability would be. Sure. Um, so it took a little while to hear back before um, they were able to make an offer and commit to me, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm having the time of my life out here. Um, what a fun show. It's incredible. It's so much fun. And, and I have such, you know, I'd seen the show years ago, like when it first opened. Yeah. Um, I saw it again when Derek went in, because obviously I had to go see. And, um, and like, I, I, I think the last couple times that I had watched it, I sort of just let it wash over me as this, like, spectacle of a thing. Yeah. And so, like, having the book in my hands, having the script in my hands, and and discussing the you know the heartbeat of the show with Alex Timbers and Matt DiCarlo our associate director um who really taught me the show and um these people who have who live and breathe this show like I just watch it so differently now and I have such a respect for the people who mm. take on these roles they are very challenging and, yeah um and also coming into something like this that has such such an immense like cult following um right and yeah it's i mean it's very nerve-wracking because you're, you're taking on this thing that people care a lot about and you want to do it justice and you want to do it well not only for yourself but for them um sure. so yeah it's been really eye-opening and, and wonderful and everybody's been really really lovely and yeah. i got to learn the show from connor ryan who is if you have seen i don't know if any if you've seen him do the show or if anybody watching this has seen him do the show, but like, it's really a very profound heart forward performance. So that was really fun to, to watch. And um, yeah, it's just been a blast. This I is a way. That. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Do you have, um, I mean, you're, you're traveling the North America. Uh, do you have a favorite place that you've been to so far? Anything? Oh my gosh. I oh you're gonna get me in trouble because I because I feel like people are gonna watch this from every city and they're gonna be like <laughs> me um, and I will say I've I've really really enjoyed all of them 
what yeah. has stuck out for me about Atlanta, which is where I am now, um, is that it's the first city that I didn't stay in a hotel. I'm in an Airbnb with two of my friends on the tour. Wow. Um, and so those first couple cities were amazing because you have like, like I was still being put into the show and like everything was very yeah. new, but, but the highs were very high. And then you come home at the end of the day and you're alone in this hotel room that feels really, really, it, it can feel very sterile and very isolating. So sure. the, like the energy shift becomes a little jarring. And so coming and, and the show itself is sort of just this like roller coaster of a ride. And right. we're just so exhausted. Um, yeah. But it's been really, really nice here. There's, it's a beautiful walk from the Airbnb to the theater, and it's a really lovely walk home. So it's like a oh. nice time to decompress. And then I get here, and I have two of my friends here. I know that there are other people in the space. It yeah. feels a little more homey, a little more lived in. Um, and so that has really elevated my experience in Atlanta. That is not to say that I did not enjoy the other cities. I had a great time. Right. <laughs> I'm just still learning. I'm still learning how to tour and how to maintain a, a, a quality of life outside of the show that still feels grounded and, um, you know, comfortable. Sure. So we're, the- we're learning where it's crash course, but we're learning. <laughs> always there's always something to learn in this freaking industry uh, <laughs> right when you think you know everything you, you know nothing um it's exactly. craziness um but i was literally gonna say i was like wow they've got you in some lavish hotel room it's such I'm a actually, i'm actually in my friend tommy's room right now because his room has the router in it and I'm my sad. room is upstairs and too far away from the router so it keeps kicking me off the internet so Thank you, Tommy. Tommy has a beautiful room. I love it. Well, talk to me because tour tour life is is crazy for all the reasons that you just said. You know, you feel like you know you have such a family because you literally spend every second of each other's mm-hmm. day together. Um, you know, with the cast, you're traveling together, you're doing all the things. Um, but then at times, you know, it can feel really isolating, and you don't know those like familiar faces that you usually have outside of a cast. And you know, whether it be just friends and going out and having that even opportunity, you don't know, like there. Um, and so the tour life schedule. It's very bizarre and very weird. Um, so run me through your like Tuesday. So you get to a new city, and because I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the podcast before. So when you get to yeah. a new, you obviously travel, and that's your day off. So congrats. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> hope you slept comfy, um, and then uh, you uh, you have to go to the this brand new space and do a whole new show that same night. Um, and you know you have mic check and you have the tour of the theater um run me through your days and like the craziness of coming to a new state and just like kind of giving insight of how that all works so with our show it's actually it's a little bit it's a little bit better in that um because the show is so big like if you come to see the tour it is I mean, they spared really no expense. It's very much the Broadway show. They have a deck that they travel with. So we do have the automation. We do have these giant pieces. We have an elephant and a windmill. We have the things that you want to see. Well, we have the elephant and windmill when the theater is large enough to hold them. So it varies from city to city, but we have them. Um, I mean, it's huge. And because it's so huge, uh, it takes them an extra day to set up the stage. So we travel on Monday and Tuesday is usually an actual day off. So you, you travel and arrive on Monday and then you have Tuesday becomes your Monday, but the catch is so Wednesday is a normal day and you, you have your orientation at five. So at five o'clock you get to the theater and they show you the space and they show you what about each building is different. For example, in Atlanta, there's no crossover behind the stage. If you're going to cross underneath the stage. Um, And it's quite an adventure to get to the other side. And so, uh, and all the dressing rooms are like three floors, four floors, five floors up. So you can't return to your dressing room for costume changes. So we're doing changes in booths underneath and on each side that aren't usually there. Um, so you're learning the orientation is to learn things like that. And then you have your sound check at six and then you have your show and then you have your lift call and you know, the things that you do and seven 30 is your go time. Mm 
Right. And now because you had that Tuesday off, that beautiful, beautiful Tuesday off, you have two shows on Thursday. Uh-uh. And, then, and then you have a show on Friday and then we have five show weekends every weekend. So you also have two shows on Saturday and two shows on Sunday. So the schedule remains eight shows. It just gets condensed. Oh my God. Um, so those first weeks in new cities can be crazy, but yeah. they are, I mean, well, no, I, I think, I think I, the reason that I say I can't complain is because you're, you have the energy of being in a new city and being in a new yeah. theater and being with new dressers and new, there, there's so much new energy that you kind of just, it kind of just carries you to the finish line. Sure. The adrenaline no. is always there. For yeah, sure. and uh, and it's very helpful, yeah. <laughs> particularly on those first weeks that are very challenging. <laughs> yeah, I can't um, imagine. Oh my god, I didn't even like think about that. The whole yeah, yeah. Thing. It's but it's the, it's the size of the show that gives us that extra Tuesday. But then we make up right. for that later on in the week. So. And you bring up an interesting point in the fact that like you know the show does change based on the capacity and like how big the theater is are, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that people may not also know uh as as a tour um i'm sure you have to like because i don't know I, on mary poppins we had to like cut off some of our stage in in certain oh places. really yeah and then some of it our stage was too small so we had like to step up <laughs> in some parts and step down to continue to use the space um so i don't know if there's anything like that going on but there are um additions and subtractions in probably every yeah travel day that you have it's craziness um well that's so fun i'm curious because like you know with jagged little pill the notebook uh karate kid all the things i've mentioned that you've been in with moulin rouge you know this is something that's out there and i'm curious you know were you a fan before did that kind of change your process in the sense of like bringing yourself to this character that you had a blueprint where you've been kind of creating these things like what was that whole thing like for you i mean i wasn't i wasn't um like i similarly to how i was i wasn't really anticipating going on tour um i have never replaced in a show i have never come into a long-running company before so uh this was a new experience for me and um and it comes with its own unique set of challenges. And like you said, one of those things is sort of being like, like, yes, w- was I was I aware of the show? Had I seen the show? Did I have a good time at the show? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, when I was in New York rehearsing the show, they offered for me to go see it in New York again. But at that point, I was like, I want to focus on what I'm doing in the yeah. show. And I was like, as much as I want to learn the track, I was like, I know that I'll have plenty of time to trail in the two weeks that I have out on tour before I start performances. So I was like, I'm not worried about learning the track. I was like, and I'm more concerned that if I go see somebody else doing the show, so while I'm while I'm figuring out my own version of Christian, that so real. I might absorb certain things. So I was yeah. like, you know, I'm not. I'm I'm just gonna save it. I know that I'm gonna have to watch it on tour, and so. I think the less access that I have to watching people do this, the better so that I can, um, so that I can do my, cause when you, if you see Aaron, if you see Derek, if you see Connor, there are three very different takes on the role. And because there are so many takes at this point, it's like in order to keep yours authentic, you kind of have to shut out some of that stuff. For sure. Um, so I tried to, to keep to myself as much as possible while I was learning the role. And then once I, got out to Houston was my first sort of stop. I didn't perform in Houston, but that was where I joined the company and, and started rehearsing on stage. By the time I got there, I was pretty confident in what I had been doing that I was like, I know what my version is. And now I feel like I can start learning the rest of the track from this person who's doing it Um, and appreciate their performance without jeopardizing the decisions that I've made. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to allow yourself to be influenced, you know, and yeah. watching all of that. Um, but that, that's pretty cool to, to hear your uh, journey through finding your own Christian, because I was curious, you know, because um, I've that's all I've ever done is replaced. I've never like create, well, 
not on Broadway. Um, so, <laughs> so it's like, uh, I was curious to know, you know, how, how you kind of had that reverse, uh, uh, I don't know, experience. So I was, uh, I was curious, that's pretty cool to hear. Um, well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do want to ask you about, you know, you, you have the, the notebook and karate kid, these two, uh, developmental pieces that, uh, you know, you've, recently just worked on and finished um and i'm curious in in kind of the same way in the sense that like you know both of these musicals similar to moulin rouge have such like an established fan base already with the book and the movies and whatever it is cobra kai even um you know which is fire fire shows shout out (laughs) Um, <laughs> um, we love Cobra Kai in my family. Anyways, um, moving on. The, it's so cool to, 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 you know, bring that to life in a live uh, action kind of world. Is that something that you had to take a similar approach in the sense that like, oh, I'm familiar with the work and I don't want to watch the movies or whatever that is for you to find your own Daniel or in everything like yeah. your process? I mean, I had a very different experience with both of those shows and mm. the the way that the material was approached and the way that the fans surrounded it. Like, they were just very different. Both shows took very different approaches to adapting um, mm. for a stage show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean... Particularly with Karate Kid, that was a that was a concern for me going into it because I'm very aware of, um, I mean, Ralph Macchio is Daniel Larusso. You yeah. know, it's like there has never been another, there will never be another right. Ralph Macchio, <laughs> and I am a huge departure from, <laughs> and you know. I'm, I'm going to say something that might be controversial um, in terms of like, like I'm sure some of my friends who I did the show with and the people who put me in the show, um, you know, they saw something in me that to them felt like Daniel. And, and, but when I was going into the show, I was asking myself a lot. I was like, I don't know if I feel right for this. Mm. Um, I don't know if I am the right choice for this role, but I trusted the fact that the people who, um, who saw something in me um, that seemed to reflect this character, you know, I, I trusted what they saw. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do my best with this. And I went into it and again, like it sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I don't know if I was, uh, there might be other people out there who might be, make a more authentic Daniel LaRusso, Mm. but I do believe that I was the right person for the job at the time. Um, I think that uh, I'm extremely proud of the work that I did out there. I'm extremely proud of the work that we all did out there and what we accomplished in St. Louis. Um, I think that, and, and, you know, for some people who, who come to see the show and who saw me do this, like the fact that they were so willing to embrace my take on this character is amazing. And I had such a great time doing it and should it ever come back around again, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. And, um, but I was so grateful for my time in St. Louis and for the, the support that I got from the team and sort of, creating my own Daniel and it really had to, it had to be a creation of my own Daniel. It couldn't be, it couldn't be a carbon copy of this other thing simply because of who I am. And, um, but the show, the, the show has, has so much, so much heart and so much potential. And I hope that, um, I hope that people get to see it, Aww. uh, at some point. Cause I it's really, so I didn't get to see it. <laughs> really, really. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that like you hear about it. You, you, you see the words on paper, the karate kid, the musical, and it's something that just doesn't make sense. Right. And then you watch it happen and you're like, why am I having such a great time? <laughs> so it's like one of those like sneak attack shows. Um, I love that. Yeah. Love it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the notebook, uh, you know, again, like you said, like similarly has that, that sort of like that following that spans years. Cause I mean, yeah. it's, it's a novel, it's, it's the movie, it's all of these things. Um, I think, uh, 
what they do, what I tell myself and what I think they've done very successfully is that, uh, so it started as a novel, right? It was The Notebook, uh, yeah. Nicholas Sparks, and then it was adapted into a movie. And if you've ever read the novel, you know that there are things in the movie that were not in the novel because yeah. it's a movie and it needs to feel cinematic and expansive. <laughs> and it's a medium that can do things that a novel can't. Similarly to that, if you read the novel and you watch the musical, there are going to be things in the musical that are not a part of the the book. And however, and and we also have this additional aspect of the movie. Right. And how does that interpret? How how does that work itself into the adaptation? Well, just like there are things in the movie that were not in its original source material because it's a film. There are going to be things that are and are not on this in the stage show because it's a stage show. It's there are things that, that a stage can't do that film can do and vice versa. So, you know, you have to accept with notebook and karate kid that these are not things that are meant to replace the source material. These are things that are meant to expand the experience of the source material. It's just, it's nothing to take away from something else. It's just more to love. And, um, and I think that the heartbeat of the notebook is firmly intact with this show. Um, And if you enjoy the feelings that you get when you watch the movie, or you enjoy the feelings that you get when you read the novel, you will enjoy watching the show. If you go into it, knowing that, it is an adaptation of this right. piece that you love. Um, yeah. And I feel like you've answered yeah. that question before. Cause that was like the perfect answer. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have, and I haven't like, I, I've answered that question many times, but every time I, I talk about it, sort of something new comes out of it. Cause now I've done a few of these at this point. And cause I mean, Moulin Rouge is also an adaptation. It was a movie. Exactly. <laughs> you know, this. And there are things about the, the stage show that are very different from the film, but people enjoy it because it's, it's an expansion of this thing that they love. Yeah. Um, and as long as you go into it, knowing that that thing that you love is not going anywhere, it's not going to be replaced. You can kind of enjoy these new versions of it a little bit more. And, and you'll always have that original piece. Yeah. I, I love that. I mean, it's it's interesting that you say this because like I feel like Broadway has kind of turned into like a Broadway Hollywood, you know, with all of these film adaptations that we have going into musicals and everything. And so to have that kind of like stigma still around these adaptations of everything, you know, like fan bases expecting the one thing, like it just mm-hmm. simply the reality is as much as we all love it it just simply can't be that you know and it like never yeah. will be that just like the movie will never be what the stage is so um mm-hmm. it, it's an interesting point that you brought up and that's why i was like that that is so clear the way that you put it it makes so much sense um so yeah that that was that was great and it's cool to, to hear that and uh to i don't know as a fan of like seeing these things and everything you know you kind of have to clean slate and rewatch it all you know like yeah, yeah. and just yeah just know that performers let them tell their story let them tell this story you know like kind of forget everything else yeah and knowing that we the people who are working on the show also have a deep respect for the source material yeah. and are doing the best we can to keep the heartbeat of that material intact, mm-hmm. um, whether that is the notebook or the karate kid or Moulin Rouge or right. October Sky was also a film adaptation. I mean, so many film adaptations, <laughs> you know, it's like there are so many of them are just like cultural staples that, that, yeah. that are not only being expanded upon, but also oftentimes being updated for new audiences. And you, and you think about, there are so many people that I meet at the stage door for Moulin Rouge who are like, I haven't seen the movie yet. And now I'm going to go home and watch it because 
this was my introduction. So like for those of you who are out there thinking, oh my gosh, it'll never be as good as the movie. There are so many people who are going to be introduced to this thing that you love by way of these other things. It's simply carrying on the tradition, you know, honoring the source material of it all. Another gateway. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, And we love that. I saw that you met Ralph Macchio and I kind of flipped out, like freaked out. That had to be such a cool experience, especially like playing him kind of um what was that like oh my gosh it was it was so cool i he was actually he was supposed to come earlier on in the run but there had been uh an issue with with like illness or personal things that Uh happened so i was like so i kind of i was was like okay he's not gonna get to see it and that's okay you know but like how cool would that have been and then like at the last second it was like one of our last shows he was there and i was i i mean yeah. What do you do? <laughs> I was like, right. I just got to go out there and do this show. And, um, and again, I was like, I, I think that whole performance was just me telling myself, like, you're going to be fine. Like, yes, you're doing this. Like, it's like I said, like, I'm such a huge departure from his, his Daniel LaRusso that I was like, you know what? I, I just have to stick to this. I can't be making any, like, subconscious changes because i know this person is watching and that was like sort of my first because he's such a an iconic figure like Mm -hmm. not only um not only in the sense that i was playing this role that he did but just like i mean ralph macchio is in the zeitgeist like we everyone knows who this man is and and what this role is and this thing is that he created and like that like you just meet him and you're like oh my gosh you're it's wild Um, and such a nice such a nice grounded kind person like just good to hear yeah he was lovely he was really really lovely and very supportive and um and yeah and i was like you know what if ralph had a good time then we can all be okay with it. <laughs> Absolutely. That's hilarious. And that is how we end the show. You know, if Ralph has a good time, we all had a good time. <laughs> if you had a good time, we all had a good time. Um, we had fun. Um, John, this has been, this is great. And, and your stories, I could talk to you for forever. Uh, this is so, so much, fun. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, I mean, there's so much we didn't even talk about, but you, you're such a, um, you know, just a talent to this industry and to be sharing that with with the world uh literally on tour and going to different places uh is so cool and so much fun and and i appreciate you coming on here today to continue to you know share a little bit more about you john and not like john as christian or john as uh daniel or like all the things so uh this has been a this has been a real treat so thank you uh you too yeah, thank you. you have so much to take a bow for. That's my episodes. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. This is a blast. Take a bow, John Cardoza. Oh my goodness. So much fun talking to him about his career and all the fun things that he's up to now. I mean, literally, since the pandemic, it's just he's been jumping around to different projects. And so we've actually tried to schedule this a, a few different times. And it's always just been something's popping up and there's always craziness going on in in one of our lives so um i'm so glad that we were able to make that happen talk to him about you know moulin rouge that he's currently doing and then uh, a little bit about like karate kid and notebook which not as many people may have seen as you know jagged little pill or moulin rouge but it was still cool to kind of get some insight and how he you know, approaches that sort of material and, and approaches material in general to get that insight just because I didn't know as much about, you know, the shows as I did like Moulin Rouge and, and Jagged because, you know, I've seen those shows. So um, t- it was great. It was, we had a great time. Hopefully you all enjoyed the episode. I want to also mention he shared some really, really cool stories and so so many relatable stories as performers. So many times it, as performers, we like get these um, breakdowns from agents or we see them online or from friends or whatever happens and, and sending them along as you, you know, try out an audition for a role. And he brought up something so, um, important that I think needs to be stressed and heard in the sense that, you know, not every audition that you get, you're going to feel right for, but 
I've always looked at it. Is it so important to just be like seen by that team? Cause maybe something down the line is going to happen. Maybe there's another role in the show that you could do. Maybe they're working on another project that they could bring you over for. And I, I thought, I thought it was really cool in the sense that, you know, he didn't really feel like he was right originally for the part of Daniel LaRusso in Karate Kid. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And it's something that all actors need to take advantage of, of, hey, they get an audition. Somebody wants to see you. Like, go audition. You may not feel like you're right, but you never know what happens. And that's something that happens way more than you could think. So thank you for bringing that up today because that, like, literally, it's so real. So uh, I'm just happy that he mentioned that and and just staying the you know not right for the role but right for the job and you know he had so many great little um things in there and 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 rooting for your friends and choosing kindness and all the things like there's so much here from a performer that you can learn from and how to attack material and what tour life is like and all those things but then you also have those like little life lessons and, and voice tips and whatever it was just, it was really great. And and so I'm thrilled for, for John to come on here and to share all of those little tips and tidbits with us. And hopefully that you all uh, really appreciate that and, you know, start to incorporate that in your repertoire, in your audition life and your practices and all the things. So um, once again, Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We had a blast doing it for you guys, and uh, we can't wait to do it again next week. We're going to have another great guest next week, and uh, we have some really heavy hitters coming up. So really excited about all of that. And so stay tuned. Follow us at Take About Podcast on the TikToks, on the, on the uh, what do you call on the Instagrams, on the TikToks, and on the YouTube. And as always, appreciate your support and appreciate you all for listening. So hope to see you next week. And until then, bye, everyone. Have a great week. For this episode's curtain call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, Kimberly Garris, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow are our fabulous editors, Jessica Lauren, who edits the audio of the podcast that you just listened to, and Tessie Tokash, who edits the videos and visuals for this podcast. And how about a bow for our executive producer, Chris Griner? And our final bow are extra special to the patrons, Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners of PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to subscribe on the platform that you are currently listening to this on, or go check out our YouTube where you can watch the episode. You can also subscribe, like, and comment on there as well. If you're more into the regular social media and want to follow us, you can do that at Take About Podcast across all social media platforms. The music of this podcast was made by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon, and the logo was created by Giselle Bustos. And that wraps up this episode's Curtain Call. Thank you all again for listening to this week's episode, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.